Joel will share a bit about his family uh, in a minute here, but Joel, as I mentioned yesterday, was my Omega director in my first year here. Uh, I came in 2002 to 2003, so 20 years ago uh, is when you were my professor. In room seven, the same room that our Omega program continues to meet in today. And uh, I gave my life to the Lord two years prior to coming to Summit. And Joel was uh, instrumental and influential in my walk with the Lord. And so thank you for your ministry uh, in my life. I remember the first moment, actually, like I think the first memory, not the first moment, the first memory I have of you. The year that I came in Omega, there was seven people from my youth group that all came that one year. And uh, we were creating a bit too much ruckus. Uh, and we all had such a history of knowing each other. And in Omega, there's so many people that come from all over and brand new relationships are formed. And so he pulled us aside and said, you can't just hang out with each other. That's my first memory right, I have right, of you. Right. Uh, and so it was a correction, but it was one that I appreciate very yeah. much because I actually use that same teaching to many students <laughs> here now uh, being on staff. So God bless you. Appreciate you. Love you. Love and you too, uh, looking forward to hear what you have to say. Yeah. Wow, that was sweet. That was a sweet moment. Well, good morning. What a, like, what a joy and a privilege and an honor for me to be here. This is, uh, I have a feeling, my highlight of 2023. And uh, wow, driving in all the memories. And I kind of got emotional in the car uh, because these were uh, foundational days for me at Summit, and uh, not only as a student, but then as a, as a faculty. And uh, I know you know this, but you are incredibly blessed to have the opportunity to be in such a great school. Uh, that was your moment to say, yeah! Uh, I know, it's, it's, it's gloomy, it's Tuesday morning, chapel, you know, we, we try to get ourselves going for Wednesday night is the apex of our moment to meet with Jesus, right? But we want to try to, we, we want to try to press in right from the get-go, but great uh, teachers, um, I think I saw Mark in the distance, uh, Mark Hawks, there you are, um, Jerry and Andrew and President Demchuk, Melody, Wow, Melody, she's amazing. Um, seriously, um, so many great uh, teachers and profs. Uh, I wanted to also extend my sincere condolences in the loss of Roger Stronstad. He was foundational even in my years of developing uh, my understanding of theology and the study of God. And uh, so I uh, was really saddened to hear that had many experiences and learning opportunities under Roger's ministry. And so uh, my condolences to the, to the school and, uh, and to his family. Um, my family, yeah, here they are. You'll notice I'm the shortest of my family. Uh, I've got these giants. Uh, so Micah is uh, my eldest. He's uh, the tallest there in the suit. He's, eight, uh, he's 18. He's uh, in uh, a program called Police Foundations, so he feels called to be a police officer. So uh, that's Micah, and then Lucas is far left. He's 17, and he's about to graduate high school. Uh, will probably go to Laurier University to study uh, business and finance. Then I got my little guy, nine years old, Caleb. Caleb is awesome. He uh, loves playing soccer. 
and of course my wife Sylvia, who's in the middle, uh, almost 23 years married, um, and uh, she's she's the all star of the family, keeps things uh, under wraps and under control, and she works with uh, me at the Western Ontario District as one of our administrative assistants. Uh, yeah, so that's where I'm from is uh, right now, presently, Western Ontario District. Uh, yeah, come on. Come on. Uh, all you WOD students, let's uh, meet up uh, in the next few days. I bring greetings from the district and your parents. Your, some of you have parents who are pastors, your churches. And so uh, what a joy. What a joy. And so uh, let's get let's get moving here. I, as I was praying, and, and we've got prayer partners praying right now for the next three days. Uh, our entire team at Western Ontario District are all praying for these next three days uh, because uh, we believe that God wants to intersect your path. And so I just uh, want to commit this time. Let's press into the Lord. Um, and so as I was praying, um, just felt. Uh, to bring a word of encouragement this morning, I think that uh, one of the things that I've been experiencing, one, one of the things I do is serve the greater Toronto area churches. And so there's approximately 130 churches in the GTA that I'm honored to serve, about 300 or so pastors and leaders. And, uh, and so what I'm going to share in the next few days is, is, is a little bit of my personal journey but also what I'm seeing on the landscape of, of, a, of, of a group of churches and pastors and young leaders and older leaders alike. And so I hope it'll be of benefit to you. But one of the things that I have noticed is um, uh, the battle against discouragement. Uh, I, I just, uh, I know in my own life, I've had to battle discouragement uh, over and over and over again. And I felt like in light of COVID and coming out of COVID, uh, it's just gone to the next level for many people and many of our lives. And that includes pastors, leaders, young leaders alike, including myself. And so I just want to kind of laser into that overcoming discouragement in our lives uh, because it's real. Uh, Discouragement, uh, by definition, is this sense of a loss of confidence, a loss of enthusiasm, a to be dispirited, um, demoralized, despair, disheartenment, dismay. These are all synonyms for discouragement. And, and, and there's nothing more than, uh, than, than the evil one wanting you to stay in a state of discouragement. To allow, he wants to see you out of the game. He, he wants to shipwreck what God has planned for your life. And many times it's through the subtlety of discouragement. And, and, and if it lingers for too long, it turns into other things, i.e. anxieties and depression and so on. But, but he understands that if he can lose your, or, or, or allow your enthusiasm to wane or lose your confidence or, or to be demoralized and be in despair, the chances of you being able to lead others and spiritually lead others, are going to diminish dramatically. And so I believe it's, it's a, uh, a spiritual battle many times um, uh, that, that we deal with when it comes to discouragement. And, and so I just want us to try to see where is the root of, where, where, where are the areas in our lives that might cause us to be discouraged? 
And one of the, the areas that I have seen uh, in, in many of our leaders' lives and pastors' lives is many times one of the greatest levels or sources of discouragement comes from our relationships. Because relate, God created you and I to be relational beings. And so when those relationships go through difficulty and strife and, 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 and uh, perhaps hurt and, and, and uh, disappointments with those relationships, there's heaps of discouragement that could come upon our lives. And, and, and sometimes it's through our, our, uh, our, our uh, dating relationships. Other times it's, it's through our relationship with our parents or with our siblings or if you're, if you're a married student, maybe with your spouse. And so that can create all kinds of discouragement in our lives because it's close to our heart. Those relationships are, are close to us. And so when they break or, or when they're stressed, it creates discouragement in our lives. And, and one of those uh, biblical characters that, that, that dealt with heaps of discouragement for a variety of reasons uh, apart from losing all of his wealth, apart from losing his, his health, um, and, and losing all of his 10 children in the same day. That's a bad day. And so, so you know, he, he dealt with so much. But, but one of the greatest sources, I believe, of discouragement for Job was his relationship with his spouse. Um, in the midst of all the pain and anguish that he was experiencing, his, his, his spouse said to him, are you still maintaining your integrity? Are you, are you kidding me right now? Curse God and die. You are talking like a foolish woman, Job responds. Shall we accept good from God and, and not trouble? Now, he, he seems to be strong in that moment, and he responds appropriately. And I can only imagine what that was like to hear that from the very person who have, you've committed to in covenant relationship. Curse God and die, Job. And you see him responding to her, but you also see in chapter 3 of Job, the very next chapter, you'll, you'll see the depth of Job's discouragement. Listen to his words. He says, may the day of my birth perish. And the night that said, a boy is conceived. Yeah, that day? May it turn to darkness. May God above not care about it. May no light shine on it. Now, I don't know about you, but that's pretty tough. And Job is, is considered to be a righteous man, yet even Job experienced the dark night of the soul. And he thought to himself, God, I wish I didn't even see a day of this side. This pain, this, this, this strife, it just seems insurmountable. And so maybe, maybe uh, this morning you've come and one of, one of the things that you're really battling in terms of discouragement is, is some of the family dynamics that you have in play in your life. And they're heavy on your heart. They're heavy on your heart. Maybe another source of discouragement might be related to life circumstances. And, and, and maybe you can hold putting that slide up. Just if you can go back one, just I'll explain in a second. Thank you so much. Um, life circumstances can really change rapidly and quickly. Uh, sometimes it's, it's related to ministry and, and uh, maybe it's a bad report or a word of criticism. And, and of course, we get 99 good emails and then you get the one and that's all you think about, right? That, that's, 
that's common to all of us, right? I, I, can, I can be ministering and get lots of great feedback, and then there's the one guy who's waiting for me in the parking lot. And in my role, unfortunately, I sometimes have to have very difficult conversations. And they wait for me always in the parking lot. It's amazing. I try to wait them out. You know, I'm like, I don't have the keys to the building. They're not, they're not leaving. And, and those are hard moments. Maybe it's related to your health. Maybe there's some challenges. Uh, maybe some things that you struggle with. Uh, maybe it's reading. It's writing. Maybe it's uh, uh, comprehension. Maybe you've been diagnosed with something. And, and, and that weighs heavy. And, and sometimes you feel like, I'm never going to cut it. I'm never going to be good enough. I'm always going to be, it's always, the odds are always against me. Um, maybe it's related to your finances. And you're sitting here thinking, man, I got to pay for school. And when I get out of school, I'm, I'm going to have this huge debt. And, I, and how am I going to deal with that? And, how, you know, all of these things, right, that, that you, you as students potentially carry today. There's disappointments that, ha- that happen. So life circumstances can bring great discouragement in our life. And, and I want to I bring your attention to the prophet Elijah. Great, great prophet of the Lord, man of God, powerful. And, 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 and uh, I, I want to bring your attention to 1 Kings chapter 18. It, this chapter makes for some great preaching, and I've preached on this message before. You know, the whole battle on Mount Carmel. Does everybody know what I'm talking about? They, he battles the prophets of Baal. I mean, this is like epic, right? Because it's, it's, he's going to prove whose God is real. Is it Baal or, or God? Our God, Jehovah. And so he, he, he says, let's meet up. Let's meet up on the, at, at the mountain. And, and uh, who, whoever allows, whatever God comes down in fire proves that that, that is the true God. And so, and so the prophets of Baal set up the altar and, and, and the stones and the sacrifice, and they begin to cry out to Baal that the fire would come down. Nothing. Silence. Elijah's on the sideline, and he's watching this happen. And, and, and he's full of confidence. I, I love the fact that in verse 27, he's watching them cry out, and nothing, nothing. Baal's not answering. And Elijah at noon began to taunt them. (laughs) The prophet of the Lord begins to taunt the prophets of Baal. And I love how he taunts them. He says, hey, why don't you shout a little louder? Maybe he's hearing loss is one of his struggles. Shout a little louder. He says, uh, I mean, surely he's God, right, guys? Total soaked with sarcasm. Surely he's got shout a little louder. Or, or perhaps maybe, maybe he's in deep thought. It needs to be wakened out of his thought trance. Or maybe, maybe he's busy. Hey guys, maybe he's busy today. His calendar's full. Or maybe he's on a road trip. He's traveling. Maybe he's sleeping. And must be awakened. I mean, this is unbelievable. He's taunting them with great confidence. Come on, guys, where is he? Then finally, it's his turn. And he steps up to the plate. And I mean, talk about God confidence. He calls his servant. He's going to do it different. He's going to soak his sacrifice with water. 
right? He, he wants to make sure nobody here thinks this is some human trick, that somehow he set it up and it's going to catch on fire. No, no, soak it with water, douse it over and over again. And then Elijah calls out to the Lord. He prays to the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are the God in Israel and that I am your servant and I have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me. So these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. And then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the soil, and licked up the water in the trench. Wow. I mean... That's called a win in ministry. Every time we meet as a staff, okay, what are the wins? That is a win. Hey, I've got one. Fire came from heaven. Okay, so, I mean, he, he not only was taunting them, but then he delivered. You know, he, God delivered, right, through his ministry. I mean, he must have been just flying high. You ever been there when it, everything just seems to go right in play? Things are happening. People are getting saved and ministries are, you're getting great grades. You got an A on a paper to Mark Hawks. I mean, there's a powerful encounter. And many times we, we stop reading the story there. And it's unfortunate. Because these were, these men of God, these women of God in the scriptures were made out of the same stuff as you and I. It's interesting to note that after this great power encounter on the mountain, that Ahab and Jezebel heard about it. And they were the leaders of the land. And so they pursued and chased after Elijah because he had destroyed all the prophets of Baal. And so... I'm expecting as I'm reading this that Elijah is going to be like, come on, come after me. Who can touch me? I'm the man of God. Instead, just hours later from this moment in 1 Kings chapter 19, Jezebel and Ahab are chasing after Elijah. And it says in verse 3, Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. <laughs> It gets better. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. And while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush. So in his moment of fear, he isolates. He runs out of community. And he finds himself under a broom bush in the wilderness and he sits down under it and he prays that he might die. He says, I have had enough, Lord. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. And then he laid down under the bush and fell asleep. Is this the same guy? Mark, help me out. Is this the same guy? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> like, what, what's going on here? One minute he's taunting and he's all full of confidence and, and now he's under a broom bush, literally hours later, and he's saying, I just want to die. I'm tired of this. I'm done with this. 
I, I don't want to keep running. I'm no better than my ancestors. You know, it, it teaches us of our frailty. How quickly we can, um, because of life's circumstances, forget of all that God has already done. How quickly we can allow life circumstances to get us so discouraged that, that in a moment we're just like, yeah, I don't even know if I want to do this anymore. This whole ministry thing, this whole studying thing for a season of my life, you know, I don't even know if I, it's too hard. I'm, I'm just, I, I don't know. I just think I should quit. Elijah had those moments. The great prophet Elijah had those moments. And I love what happens next. Just, just be amazed of how amazing our God is. How gracious and how compassionate. The Lord sends an angel. All at once, an angel touched Elijah. He's under this broom bush. He just cries out to God, I want to die. But God sends him an angel and says, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then laid down again. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time. And he touched him, and he said, get up and eat. And here's the key. For the journey is too much for you. Come on. The journey is too much for you, Elijah. Joel, you want to do ministry? You want to serve churches? You want to serve leaders? The journey is too much for you. It's too much for you. It teaches us that even the great prophets needed to rest. Even the prophets needed to sit down and have Sabbath and needed to be refreshed because when we're tired and when we break the commandment of Sabbath and when we just go and go and be, pretend we're machines, eventually that thing breaks. You can't function that way. You start losing your center. You start believing in the lies of the enemy. You start getting in those moments of tiredness, discouragement, and discouragement lingers into other things. And so, friends, the journey is too hard for you. And it's too hard for me. And so it takes a level of humility to realize this and, re and, and, and understand that the battle doesn't belong to me. But it's the Lord. And, and, and my job is to keep my heart and my emotions and my mind and, and, and as healthy as it can be. And so I need to get rest. And, and, and this is what happens. The angel says, hey, you need rest. You're not thinking right right now. And sometimes, and this is what I've noticed with some of our leaders, some of times, ironically, we're most vulnerable after some of the greatest victories. I have seen leaders in some of the most successful ministries, having some of the most successful seasons of ministry, collapse. In those moments, because you're still expending energy even when it's going great. When things are 
pumping and things are moving forward and, and you're still expending a lot of, of, of energy. In fact, you start kicking into adrenaline and you just go, go. And, and if you're not careful in that moment of peak and you forget that it's not about you <laughs> and that you can't do it without God, you make yourself vulnerable to other things. Life circumstances. Perhaps uh, a third source of discouragement could be sometimes we, I don't know about you, but sometimes we can get discouraged with God. (laughs) Um, Sometimes things happen in life and and if we're not careful and alert, we, we can begin to almost hold some resentment to God. Why did this happen, Lord? Why am I dealing with this? Unfortunately, part of, part of my responsibility is sometimes when, when, when pastors and churches don't get along and there's uh, the beginning of a, of a, div- of a divide there. And uh, recently I was in the basement of a church and here's a pastor and his dear wife who had served there for 16 years given a chunk of their life. And then I'm upstairs meeting with the board who actually feels that they don't longer want them as their pastor. And I'm going up and down trying to figure out how is this going to end in such a way that keeps the church with the least impact. After nights like that, I just get in my car and I weep all the way home because of the pain and the anguish and the situation, and, 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 and even I in those moments can get a little bit, God, why, why are you allowing this? Why is this going on? And we could get discouraged with God. And, and you know, there's a book in the Bible that's called Lamentations. We don't like reading Lamentations. But a lament is a prayer. It's a raw prayer before the Lord. And again, Sometimes we highlight these biblical characters at the peak of their success and their bright moments. And sometimes we ignore their low moments. And it's unfortunate because we miss out on relating with these men and women of God. Well, the prophet Jeremiah wrote Lamentations. And he felt like, I'm, I'm, I'm out, I'm, 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 I'm sacrificing, I'm... I'm speaking the word of the Lord, and there doesn't seem to be any results. Jeremiah, it was the weeping prophet, didn't seem to feel like there was results to this call back to God. And, and so he found himself getting discouraged about that. And he writes this book, and I, I just want to give you a glimpse of what he was feeling and experiencing. Lamentations chapter 3. This is what he was feeling. He says, he, being God, has broken my teeth with gravel. (laughs) I don't mean to laugh at Jeremiah, but but this is pretty raw. He has broken my teeth with gravel. He has trampled me in the dust. I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. So I say my splendor is gone. And all that I had hoped from the Lord. Who? That's Jeremiah, the prophet. 
I, I, I learned this, uh, thankfully, really early in ministry. And, and I, I would have never imagined in those early years that I would say that one day. Because, man, it didn't feel good. And I, I came out of Bible College Summit and went to my first ministry opportunity. And, man, I, 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 I was pumped. And I was blessed with the opportunity. And I put everything I owned in my little Honda Civic, and off I went up the Coquihalla Highway, and boom. Lived on my own, single, got an apartment. I made it out of Bible College, single. Like that, I mean, that, that says a lot about me, right? Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm on my own, I'm alone, but I've got full of passion and vision, and, and I'm a young adult pastor, I'm going to take on the world. And I remember the first year of my ministry there, I inherited a ministry of about 150 young adults. That was like a church within a church, right? The church was, I don't know what it was, 1,500 people. And, I, and so here I am, I'm your new young adult pastor. And I replaced a guy who was like 50 years old. So he was like their dad, and now the young kid shows up, hey! And they're like, who's this Yahoo, right? And so within eight months, that group of whatever it was, it was large. It, the first Christmas, so about eight months later, it was down to 30. Isn't that successful? Oh, yeah. And I remember coming home from the office and literally laying flat on my face, crying, saying, God, this is not what I envisioned. I don't even think I'm called. Four years of Bible college. And now I feel inadequate. I feel like I've messed up the church. I feel like I broke the ministry. <laughs> and so I sucked carpet for quite some time. I did. I'm telling you. I would come home. There was nobody there. It was just me and my unraveled ministry. And I knew everybody was talking about, oh, boy, this ministry. Ooh, ooh, I guess Paul Cassidy hired the wrong guy. And I remember phoning my senior pastor saying, hey, can we have breakfast? And we went beautiful on the lake. I thought, let's, let's pick a nice spot to, to have this heart-to-heart -heart conversation. And I said to him, listen, I want to make this really easy for you. I think you hired the wrong guy. Let's just end, the, end the, the opportunity and off I'll go and you can find somebody way better than me. And I'll never forget. He looked at me in the eyes, and he said, you're not going anywhere. You're the one that I believe God has called here. And you're going to fight through this. And I'm going to do everything I can to help you. Let's rebuild this together. <laughs> it was the turning point in my life and ministry. Because I was dead serious about quitting. Because it was already, I didn't even want it to be, a, I, I was a PK. The last thing I wanted to be was a pastor. Like, come on could do something better with my life, make a lot more money. Am I insane? And, and off I went and started to rebuild this ministry. And, you know, got on the campus up there, 
uh, university campus, became a chaplain, and God began to bring young adults to Christ. And ironically, on Sunday morning, they're, they're going to fly me in to preach at that church so many years later. And the reason why I share that is because sometimes they, people look at our roles and what we're doing, and they're like, oh, yeah, that. But you got to learn to suck carpet. And you got to learn that you got to stay there for the rest of your life. Because I am nothing without God. The journey is too hard for me. And so maybe you feel a little like Jeremiah. Feel like, God, you've knocked my teeth out with gravel. My splendor is gone. You can go to God with all those feelings. And in the next three days, maybe this morning, you can come and you can express that to God. But then keep reading. Keep reading. It says, amidst all this anguish that Jeremiah spills out, he says, yet this I call to mind. And therefore, I do have hope. Ready? Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions, they never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, Jeremiah writes, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. I learned that. The Lord is my portion. God, I feel like you knocked my teeth out. God, I feel like my splendor is gone. Lord, I feel like my hope is gone. But the greatest sermons you will ever preach are the ones you preach to yourself. Listen to me. Joel, but yet you're not consumed. (laughs) You're not consumed. You know why, Joel? Because his mercies are new every morning. And you are faithful, God. Even though I don't feel it, even though I feel like I've got no front teeth anymore, God, you are my portion. And therefore, I will wait for you. Finally, maybe the fourth source of discouragement in your life that maybe you're facing or will face one day is discouraged with ourselves. <laughs> you know, I, I tend to be a uh, goal-oriented person. Like, I go after things. I work hard. And as much as that's good, it has the, a backside to that. Because when you don't feel like you're producing and you don't feel like you're reaching your own expectations, you get discouraged. Or we all have people in our lives that expect things from us. They have expectations on us. And when we don't feel like we're cutting it, we feel discouraged. We get discouraged with ourselves. We get discouraged with our performance or our lack of performance. Or sometimes we get discouraged about some of the choices we're making that we know aren't pleasing to the Lord. Maybe we feel like a little bit like the Apostle Paul who said, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I end up doing. And I remember that Romans chapter 7, if you're in that course, I remember. Strandstad said it. 
He said he believed that that was Paul in his real life, what he dealt with in his faith journey. It wasn't pre-conversion only. It was now present. He struggled with the flesh all the time. We all do, don't we? I think Peter understood what this was like. Here's a guy who, who Jesus warns. What time is it? Oh, shoot. Jesus warns. Three times you're going to deny me. No, 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 never. Aren't you one of the disciples of Jesus? No, 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 no. I think you're mistaken, young lady. No, I'm pretty certain I recognize that you were part of the way, the group there with Jesus. No, 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 no. Maybe I looked like, resembled somebody, but it's not me. No, no, I'm, it's not me. Three times. He was warned. He said he wouldn't do it. And he didn't. And one of the darkest verses of scripture is found in Matthew 26, 75. It says that after Peter denied knowing Jesus, he went outside and he wept bitterly. Oof. You can only imagine what Peter was feeling in that complete moment of failure. He heard Jesus. He saw Jesus. He saw him do all the miracles. He heard him preach and teach. He was warned, and yet he failed. And he wept bitterly. (laughs) Again, our God is so amazing. (laughs) Jesus resurrects from the dead, fast forward, and one of the very first people he wants to see when he began to reappear to prove of his resurrection, he, he wanted to meet with Peter. I love this. So much so that he actually prepares breakfast on the seashore. <laughs> Can you imagine this moment? Peter's on the boat and he sees, what's, what's going on? Who's, that's Jesus. It's broiled fish for me. And Peter gets out of the boat and he runs. And I don't know what he, he, I don't know what kind of emotions and what kind of thoughts he had in that moment. And Jesus wanted to talk to Peter. He wanted to have breakfast with Peter. The one who royally messed up. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, I'm going to ask you a favor. Do you love me? Yes, Jesus. Then feed my sheep. Peter, you failed me three times over, but I'm going to reinstate you three times over. Don't allow your failures to define what God's redemptive work can do in you. It ain't over. It's never over. Hear me, students, who maybe are struggling internally with some of the choices you're making. All of us, teachers, because all of us deal with it. And in those moments of failure, there's this utter thought, God, why do I keep going down this pothole? I thought I... And there's Jesus, broiling fish on the seashore. I'm waiting. 
And this morning, my prayer is that this would be a moment where you come back to Jesus. He's waiting for you. He's not standing at the door like this. Ha ha, I saw that. I heard that. Man, you're in trouble now. And he, he doesn't inflict fear. He wants to invite. So here's the deal. This is how we overcome discouragement real quick. So those four sources, relationship, life circumstances, uh, what did I say? Ourselves, we struggle with ourselves. What else did I say? Come on, do we get discouraged with God? Here are two fundamental truths you must never forget. In all of this whole battle with discouragement, remember this, God is with you. We sang it. Maybe I can ask the worship team. Can you come on up? Firm foundation. Oh, man, that was good. Uh, God is with you. You can't go, what does Psalmist say? Can't far north, south, east, west, darkest room. You can't be away from God's presence. It's in his character. He's omnipresent. He's like a circle without a circumference. There's no edge to him. You can't go beyond it. He's with you. And here, here, here it gets even better. Not only is he with you, he's for you. Come on. He's not only with you, but he's for you. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm fighting discouragement, I feel like I'm isolated. I'm alone. He's against me. Things aren't working out. I'm done. I might as well throw in the towel. No, no, no. He's not only with you, but he's for you. If God cares about the sparrows, he assuredly cares for the apex of his creation, the human family, you. He knows you by name. And if God is for you, who can be against you? Think about that. You are a chosen people. Come on, you are a chosen child. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. God's special possessions. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You are God's handiwork. His fingerprints are all over your life. He perfectly and preciously designed you. He was there when you were being formed in your mother's womb. In the original language, that actually means the fingerprints of God are on your kidneys. God is with you and God is for you. you stand with me today? As we uh, worship and sing this song, Firm Foundation, is it okay, uh, Gavin and Kim? Can you just find a spot? If anything that I said resonated and about overcoming discouragement over your life, find a spot. Meet with God and let him lift you up and strengthen you. Let's sing and allow the Spirit of God to do what he needs to do. Come on, come on up. Go for it, brother.